So if you were here back on Father's Day, we had uh, our first, and this is our second and final park time, but back on Father's Day, we were in the series on parables, and we did the first parable. We did the parable of the the prodigal son, or as I like to call it, the loving dad, and uh, it kicked off. And that's a great bookend for how we're going to wrap it up today. If, If the prodigal son or the loving father is the most beloved parable, then probably the most well-known parable is the parable of the sower. And it's the parable that if, even if you don't know parables, you know this parable, this parable that Jesus tells. And he's with his friends and he's with some people and he's in this setting. And I'm sure he was in a setting that had a, a rolling hill and probably some crops and some fields right within his sight. And he simply started it this way. And a man, a farmer went out to sow some seed. And all summer long, we've been digging into the parables. And I have this sense that if you and I can grab a hold of the teachings of Jesus in a way that allows us to make them help us operate, help us build relationships, helps us care about people around us, the way Jesus describes all of the characteristics that make up somebody who follows him, then I think you and I, I really believe the world could be changed. And I don't mean world changing. I mean, it changes the world for one person that happens to be in our family, that happens to be in our office, that happens to be in our neighborhood. And in this final parable, I think Jesus is getting at the main idea that he teaches in every parable, and it's all through his teachings, and yet followers of Jesus continually miss it over and over and over again. You, you know the story. It's not complicated. And that's the beauty of the way Jesus teaches. It's so simple if you'll just grab a hold of it and, and just, just listen and pay attention. In fact, the way Jesus said it, we talked about this when we began the series, he who has ears, what? In fact, Jesus said, I, you know, I've said these things so simply and I've used these parables so that it is just a little bit out of reach. I want you to be listening as if you heard something and you're not sure that you heard it. And so you're just leaning in a little bit and you're paying such close attention that the truth hits you right in the heart. So a farmer went out to sow some seed. And he sowed some seed, and some seed landed on a path and got trampled on, and the birds got the rest, and they ate it up, and nothing grew. He sowed some other seed that fell along some rocks, and it kind of put some roots down, but there was no moisture in the soil, and so it sprung up quickly and then burned up in the sun. Still some other seed fell among some thorns, and that seed, it sprung up too from the soil, but the thorns sprung up with it, and the the thorns, you know what weeds are like, thistles and weeds, right? They grow faster than anything else in your yard, and so it choked out the good stuff, and those things died. And then Jesus said, and still yet, the farmer threw some seed, and it landed in the good, what? The good soil. You know what good soil is. And, and you know what it smells like, don't you? And you know what it feels like. A crew came to plant some trees in our yard a couple years ago, way up on a hill in our, in our backyard. And, and when they got out the pickaxes to dig the hole for the trees, I just thought, I mean, just take them with you. They're not going to grow, right? That's not going to work. And they're dead today. I mean, you can water clay all you want, but it's just not going to do what it should, right? You know what good soil is. I mean, good soil, when you you plunge a 
a shovel into it, it's obvious right away it's alive, isn't it? And it smells like it's alive. But it also smells like it's dead, doesn't it? It smells like something died. And it's because in good soil, there is stuff that is alive and there's stuff that is dead. And it's both. It's almost like when Jesus said, if you're going to find your life, you're going to have to lose it. It's almost as if he was holding soil when he said it because it contains both. Good soil means that there is something that is thriving. In fact, you can see it. If you, if you move some of it away, you can see that it's, in fact, moving. It's so alive. There's, there's little critters. Some of, them, some of them you can see and some of them you can't. They're all eating and they're all making stuff and they're all dying. And decomposition is happening and it's rich and it smells like, you know, a bunch of cows in Kansas. That's what it smells like. And this soil, you know, is deep and rich and it doesn't matter what you plant in it, it's going to grow. And when Jesus talks about God's seed and where it lands and how it might grow, he uses good soil to describe my life, your life, my heart, your heart, who we are and who we are becoming, he says. Good soil. And this seed that fell in the good soil, it sprung up and it grew and the crop yielded a hundred times more than it even, even thought was possible. What is good soil? Jesus doesn't explain it. In fact, Jesus will go on to explain the meaning of the parable. His disciples, he pulls them aside and he'll tell them all about the parable. But he doesn't say what good soil is. And I think the reason he doesn't is because every Jewish man, every Jewish woman who is listening to Jesus, when he says good soil, they know exactly what he means. And some of it's lost on us today. It's been a while. Several cultures later, you and I don't live in an agrarian, agricultural society. The first time in the Bible soil is mentioned is Genesis 2. And it's when God makes man. And so it says there in Genesis 2 that God collected the dust, the afah, and he formed it. He pulled it from the dirt, the adamah. And he made man. He made humankind. He made us. You have been made from dust. You've been made from soil. And I imagine that that came from the Garden of Eden. It was good soil. It was good, rich soil, fully decomposed. Some things in it that were both alive and both dying and dead. And all of that came together and God formed us. We've been made in his image. And God is first a farmer, and he made us. And then when Jesus says, as he describes the seed that was scattered, that we would be good soil, he's describing, well, he's surely not describing the rocks that they tried to plant those trees in my yard. He's not describing Indiana clay that can't grow corn even in the middle of the summer. He's not describing anything that wouldn't catch our attention from our nose and our sight and even a good garden. He's describing soil that is alive and dead all at once. And that, well, we, we have all kinds of names for it. We call it compost. You can go to Lowe's and buy a bag of it. Some of us like to call it humus, not hummus. That's what you eat when you don't have salsa. 
I don't know why anybody would want to eat hummus, but if you do, that's fine. It, it really, it must be because you're out of salsa. That's the only reason I can think you would eat it. But humus is this rich, dark, deep, well, it's not even soil. It's just matter that is made from years and years of decomposition, and then it is ready to grow and absorb more water than you can even imagine. 90% of its weight can be held in water. It absorbs almost every nutrient, every chemical you could imagine. Too much humus and you can't grow anything. The right amount of humus and you will be amazed at what you can grow. Humus is this deep, dark, rich stuff that reminds us that we are but soil. And so the soil that Jesus is talking about, I believe, is one thing. And I believe it can be summed up in one word. He didn't use this word, but we use this word because it comes from the root, same root in Latin as humus, but it comprises our word humility. And I believe it is the very thing that Jesus is describing when he's describing good soil. And if you've been around Castle Oaks this summer, if you've heard the parables that we've taught, if you've paid attention to the very teaching of Jesus, then you've seen this thread of humility run through almost every message that Jesus shares. Every story he tells, every teaching he lays down, humility is woven in the fabric. And when Jesus tells this parable of the sower, he's describing all of these places where somebody cannot learn, they think they know more than they know, there's no interest in this new piece of understanding of who Jesus is, but then he describes this place where the seed lands that is soft and fallow and rich and full of nutrients, and it puts down roots and it begins to grow. And that, my friends, is humility. And Jesus teaches it on every page of the Gospels. Humility's gotten a bad rap. In fact, only in recent millennia has humility even been held up as a virtue. And as a result, we end up talking about humility as if you should think bad about yourself or you think less of yourself or you'd be sure that you raise other people up and put yourself beneath them. But that's not what humility is at all. Humility is a very important, complex, critical piece of what it means to follow Jesus. And so let me, let me tell you what humility looks like, I think. And you can do this easily by reading the pages of the Gospels and understanding how Jesus lives it out. Humility is, first of all, curious. Say it with me. Humility is, don't forget it. Humility is, first of all, curious. Because the curious person says, you know what, I don't think I know everything, so I need to learn more. The curious person says, you said what? You were where? You were where on 9-11? I can't believe that. What a story. Tell me more. The curious person says, there is a world that is outside of me that has a life and love and people, and I want to know them. And the only way for me to know them and build relationships is through this display of curiosity. Curiosity says, I have so much to learn. The opposite of curiosity says, I know what? Everything. Humility is curious. And if humility is curious, then humility also does these two things next. Humility asks for help, and humility gives help. 
Some of you are great at asking for help. In fact, people see you come and they go the other way. Some of you are great at asking and asking, and some of you are great at helping others. You're incredible at helping others, but rare is the person that can combine both of these qualities into a piece of humility. A person who knows how to ask when they need help. They don't mind. Can you help? I know you're better at this than me. I have no idea what to do next. I need your help. And a person who will offer their hand and give help at every chance they can. That's what humility looks like. It's curious. It asks for help, and it helps at every turn. But then the last thing about humility that I want you to remember is this. Humility is confident. Say it with me. Confident. Some of you think humility is not confident, but it is the center of confidence. In fact, the opposite of humility is insecurity. Insecurity and pride work hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin, and they will keep you stuck. They will keep you wondering about others' opinions. In fact, you have no room for curiosity or helping. You have no room for even asking for help because your insecurity is in the way. Humility is, at its very core, supremely confident because humility knows why you're here, what you're good at, and who you are and what you have to bring. And humility brings all of it to the table every day. That's what humility looks like. And that is what good soil looks like. Humus, humility. This kind of humility, this kind of soil that Jesus describes, it gives the seeds that God sows into the soil of your heart, a chance to take root and grow and produce the very fruit that this week, you can even tell me about the conversation that you had, you wish you had more of. For some of you, it was patience. For some of you, it was kindness. For some of you, there was a bit of gentleness that was needed and what you gave was harshness. If you want that fruit, then it will come from the soil in your heart, the humus, the deep, dark, rich, alive soil that's decomposing at the same time, and good fruit will come. And that's what it looks like. Humility says, I'm here to help. I'm curious about you, and I know who I am and what I bring to you, and I'll bring it every day. And that's what we want. And so there's another passage on your card that you have there in front of you. Grab it, and there's another prayer that we'll pray together. The passage is Colossians 3.12. It's over there in the little box, and it is the verse that, that if you're wanting some good soil this week, it would be a good verse to commit to memory. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Colossians 3.12. It's worth committing to memory. And we don't commit it to memory so that we can know it in a rote way or so we can quote it to somebody or get some sort of spiritual brownie points. We commit it to memory so that when our mind wanders and we find ourselves feeling desperate or lost or a little on the low side or maybe a little full of pride, we remember these words and they change and shape our heart. And so the prayer that's over to the right of that Lord, today we choose. We'll say it together. I'm going to invite the worship band to come back up. 
one more song that you'll sing that will remind you why we worship who we worship. And we'll use this prayer to lead us into that place. And again, I'll pray after it as well. So let's say it together. You say it with me. Lord, today we choose to put on the clothes you want us to wear in the coming weeks. Mercy instead of judgment. Kindness instead of indifference. Humility instead of self-centeredness. And patience instead of frustration. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to place these virtues in our hearts, minds, attitudes, and words, spoken or written, and actions in all we do. Lord, this is our prayer, that we would be the good soil that Jesus speaks of, the humus, the, the richness that is there in the ground. Lord, sometimes our hearts feel like hard clay, resistant to change and we want nothing more than to be left alone. Lord, we pray that you would sprinkle this, this ground in us, this good soil, this humus, that it would soften us. Lord, and as you soften our hearts, we pray that the seed that you sow as this sovereign and holy farmer, that the seed you would sow would find soft and rich soil in our hearts. And that it would look like humility. That we would be curious, curious about you, Lord, and about those around us. Curious about how you're at work and how we can join in. Curious about how we can use our resources to remember and move redemptively. Lord, we pray that we would exercise a couple muscles this week. For some of us, it will be asking for help. For some of us, it will be helping when we see a need. But we pray that we would do both of those in equal measure. Because it teaches us something to do each. But Lord, we pray above all of this that we would move forward with confidence because we know who we are and what we have. And we know why we're here. And we want to be used by you to do good things, to love well, to transform entire industries, to change the lives of those who are in us and around us simply by virtue of showing mercy and love and grace. Lord, it's what has changed us from the inside out, and we pray that we would offer that freely to those around us. And Lord, when anger gains a foothold this week, help us to replace it with humility. For your word makes it clear that the two are incompatible. And so may anger be the little red light that pops up, the red flag that lets us know it's time to hit pause, turn around, go the other way. Humility and kindness May you grow love in us. So we declare all of this. We worship your beautiful name because you, Lord, your love is all that we need. And the words that your son taught teach us deeply about what it means to follow. And so we ask that we would do that today. In the powerful name of Jesus, we all say together, amen.